Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Triple R is a sparkling place. Oh. Because it is. It's More been, ways than one. It's been so scrubbed and fantastic. How are you doing out there, folks? God, it feels like autumn. Does it not? It was. I was outside a moment ago and it was sunny uh-huh. and raining uh-huh. and cold. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's uh, it's a bit of a shock. It is uh, it is really a shock, and it's and it really goes to that whole thing of how mm, autumn doesn't really start in March, does it? <laughs> that's that's sort of our late summer. Yeah, got a feeling it's all gone a bit skew if don't yeah. you, Cam? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> don't want to bring people down too much. <laughs> hey, how you doing out there? <laughs> Um, we've got a uh, we've got a lively show for you today. You are listening to Eat It. This is the time where myself, Cam Smith, we talk about food and the whole aspects of food. There are so many. Food is uh, tradition. Food is politics. Food is oh, you know, fashion. There are so many things, and um, and that sort of gets reflected in who we've got today. Well, in today's show, we've got Michael Buschetta, who is uh, the CEO of Worksmith, um, a really interesting collaborative um, organisation, uh, an ideas hub, uh, an area where people can come together and uh, and work together. We're going to have a chat to him um, pretty much about where we are in in this industry um, as well as uh, have a chat about what happens at Worksmith but JobKeeper's gone um, we're not quite sure when we're going to be having any more international people coming in um, there's a bit of an uncertainty around there isn't there out there we can agree on that I think it's going to be a wild ride I think it's early days in this story Cam I think you're right I think you're right. So maybe just to have a little bit of a preamble about that uh, and also to spruik uh, Melbourne Cocktail Week, which is just sneaking through. So there's a bit of a, you know, yin and yang. Can't all be down about these things. <clears throat> we'll go to market and we're going to have a chat to John and we're going to catch up with him uh, and talk about the autumn that is upon us. But also, importantly, John has been away from the market for the last few weeks because he's been dealing with the death of his dad. Um, And we're going to have a drink to his dad at the market. I went to the market before and pre-recorded something. So we're going to do that as well as find out what the pick of the market is. So we're going to go there. And then, joy above joys... We look out into the green room and the wonderful thing that we see that has been different from the last year is that we actually have people in there. And uh, so Michael, previously mentioned, will be on. Uh, Also, joining Michael, well, I think Michael might be long gone by then, but um, our last segment, Thinking Drinking, uh, features Shane Bird from Maiden Eye, um, also representing Marinette. So Maiden Eye, if you don't know it, is... Um, a fantastic range of Australian vermouths. 
and um, they're doing a bit of a collaboration with Farmer's Daughters for Melbourne Cocktail Week. <coughs> Excuse me. So that gives us a great opportunity to have a chat about uh, the rise of the Australian spirits industry, the rise of uh, Australian vermouths, because let's face it, it was um, for years and years, you know, the Chinzana wasn't really that well regarded, was it? Even though they can be good drinks, but uh, uh, Sean has been busy working with his partner mixing Australian botanicals. Geez, Ken, I don't know if I've got that much to really chat about intro-wise. We might just get stuck straight in. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with Michael after this. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. On a day when autumn has descended on us, but delightfully, the fact that we are able to have guests in and we welcome to the studios, Michael Bruschetta. How you doing? Very good. Thanks for having me. Oh, look, it's a pleasure. Um, and Having me again, I should say. I'm saying this is my third third show, first time in the studio. I know. And all during COVID. That was, that was the weird thing, wasn't it? Mm. That when this whole thing hit, um, you were in a unique position to give us a bit of an overview about what's happening, what we can do for uh, the less advantaged of mm. us in this industry and, I don't know, a bit of prognostications. <laughs> as, uh, I don't know how well they've, they've gone. Um, but first of all, for those that haven't heard you before, mm-hmm. um, maybe we might have a little bit of a chat about that place at 450 Smith Street, Absolutely. Worksmith. Yeah, so Worksmith uh, started it took over three years ago. Mm. Uh, we three years now. Yeah, uh, yeah, coming up four at the end of this year, and we very much started off as a just a little co-working space for food and beverage industry to obviously come and work out of, and uh, for us to run industry events. It's not like a place where everybody could sort of hot desk yeah, and, exactly. and collaborate and network. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah, thank you. And uh, then we opened our second space in the CBD. Uh, took over eighteen months ago. Uh, and each space has sort of specialty spaces within them. So the city has a drinks lab to do testing and um, that sort of thing for drinks. Where's the one um, in town? Uh, just behind Melbourne Central. Oh. Yeah, right above the station. And then the, the one oh. in Collingwood has a, a small it, test kitchen as area. well. Yeah, exactly. Have so you been able to renegotiate rents by any chance? It's uh, one of our strengths. Hey, yeah, okay. All right. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's a reality of, of yeah. where we are and we'll get to. So yep. two places, mm. the idea and incubator for uh, great people, mm. innovators and ideas. Absolutely. And we yeah, very much started as, as that co-working events model and moved really quickly into being that touch point for industry to meet, work together, and then our own sort of projects being born out of out of Worksmith as well, yes. um, like Melbourne Cocktail Festival, which we're about to dive into tomorrow, which runs for a week and it's our second festival. How's your liver feeling? Are you ready? Uh, I'm definitely not ready. No. I'm a, <laughs> this- I'm a father of two now and I do, <laughs> I hardly drink, believe it or not. Yes. Um, and- but that, that should be the secret to great <laughs> distillers, I think, too. I reckon <laughs> the great distillers don't get high on their own supply, no, so to speak. The further I've, I've gone along over, I guess, the last five years since having my own venues and having Worksmith and yeah. having been surrounded and tasting by, by all these amazing booze, yeah, yeah. I've drunk less and less, but I guess it's, you know, drinking better um, 
booze. Like we're about to, obviously you're about to have Sean on Been drinking Maiden Eye since its inception. Mm. Uh, I'm going to guess here, Sean's out there, can listen, but he can't talk, which is, which is, but maybe a good thing. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, I think he might start banging eight, on the maybe window. Maybe eight years ago. Yes. Um, when I first tried that. And ten, oh, ten years. years ago, ten years. I was going to get that wrong. <laughs> Damn it! Um, he double-handed you. You did. Yeah, I knew I was going to get it wrong. Yes. Um, but yeah, drinking, you know, amazing uh, booze like that that float floats through our space. I'll say as quite my a mum, lot. As my mum used to say, "Great hooch." Yeah, exactly. I used to always say, "Mum, that's not what we." Anyway, but that was. <laughs> another, that was a... <clears throat> so drinking better. Drinking better. Absolutely. Drinking better. Yes. Um, so and oh. Quickly, tell us a little bit about Melbourne Cocktail Week. Yeah, so the the festival kicks off tomorrow. We need, I think we need a drink. Absolutely. Kent, yeah. you need a drink? <laughs> yeah. we, we snuck in the first festival two weeks before COVID hit Melbourne last year uh, uh, as the first festival and then and then this year uh, running it a little bit late in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, extended it to seven days from five. The response from industry has been incredible yes. when, we, when we reached out to venues. So we've got 43 venues involved. 43? Uh, yeah. There's 22 events during the week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Bar Safari component where people just register for free online um, yeah. and they receive a, a $15 cocktail in all of those venues. Mm. And we've had over 2,500 people sign up to that, which is awesome. Uh, so you can't hear my eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, the events are selling really, really well. Uh, we're at probably over 80% sold out across most of the events. So really, so, really exciting. Excuse the pun, Michael, but there is obviously a thirst for <laughs> these events and people coming together is, and do yeah, that. Absolutely. Sorry, it was cheap. The, I had to take Yeah, that. definitely have to take that. Yeah, uh, the... the uh, the bars are mainly focused around the CBD. Yes, um, about seventy percent of them uh, mm. within, I'd say, the uh, city of Melbourne. Yeah, uh, so really about attracting people back into the city, especially earlier on in the week, uh, to get into the the venues for bar safari as well as to get into the venues for events as well. And of course, people have their devices out at the moment because let's face it, we're never far away from them now. Absolutely so, and not. they're yeah. screaming at the radio, going, "How can I find out about this?" Mm. Uh, Melbourne get, Cocktail absolutely. Festival would be a good start. MelbourneCocktailFestival.io a... you can get onto. It's oh, you are website. big on your IOs, Love the you? IOs because they're never taken. Dot .com uh. is dead. Everyone's it's all gone. It's all gone, man. Um, IO is the way to go. Uh, and for those that um, uh, are wondering whether this uh, edit has turned into a computer show, just quickly, what is an IO? Dot .io is? Uh, in, Indian Ocean, I believe. Indian Ocean? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a very tech Thing. Yeah, that's what I heard. I was convinced, it's a, it's a techie convinced thing. by a tech guy to do it very early on for Worksmith and it's kind of followed on to everything. Okay. It's worked. It's okay. <laughs> JobKeeper. Yes. Is kaput. Is kaput. We did uh, <laughs> only w- one of my businesses was still on JobKeeper to the end and the yeah. last uh, uh, submission was I think a week ago or two weeks ago. Mm. So it's all over. It's, is it? It's definitely never coming back. Well, no, not with the the Liberal Party just scared themselves to hell and go, "My God, we're all communists now." Yeah, exactly. I mean, giving giving out money to people. It must have been such a hard thing for them to do anyway. But I suppose they were obviously they were freaked out by the lines of the the CESs, and they had to do something. And it's not often that I throw a bouquet towards um, the. Uh, the government and mm. uh, the Liberal National Party coalition, but it definitely it saved a lot saved of us. Saved our asses, yeah, it saved absolutely, me. yeah, absolutely. It saved it. Honestly, to be completely frank, it saved Worksmith. Yes, um, you know, with the venues aside, 
you know, we did a lot between the three venues to obviously keep as many staff as we could employed. Falco Bakery went really well because we were able to continue to operate all the way through. What are the businesses you operate, you're um, Uh, part of? Is Capitano? Capitano in Carlton. That great restaurant in, yes. I'm not down down there on Rathdown Street. Uh, Bar Liberty as our our first baby, five years old now, uh, on Johnson Street. And then Falco Bakery, which has been open, took over a year. Um, so opened that. That the was right good time. timing. It was very good timing to open a bakery. I think it was two months before before COVID hit. Yes. Okay. So you, you've uh, got yourself spread over uh, many pies in the industry. Mm. How do you see, and what is the, what you are hearing as to where we are in? Um, how do we describe describe this climate now? Uh, Hospitality yeah, in th- general, uh, like we were talking before, we were mm. coming on here, like a SWOT analysis. The strengths, the weaknesses, yeah, the opportunities, and threats. I, I think, you know, generally, it's, it all depends geographically where you are as a venue. Mm. At the end of the day, where are you? Where is everything? We're, we're all suburbs, so we're mm-hmm. Carlton across to Fitzroy, Collingwood, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so during lockdowns, it, it worked well for us because we were in those neighbourhoods, uh, and we certainly put our, you know, why did those neighbourhoods work? Just to ask the uh, obvious question. There's plenty of people. That live there. Density of density of population, income of the and definitely the the income. I mean, Carlton is a place of deep pockets. Yeah, absolutely. And now, honestly, Fitzroy Collingwood as well. So so gentrified. Yes. Um, But then you know, I think general public look at it and think maybe we're over the hump and everything's fine um, Mm. when you look at the hospitality industry. But if you're a you know a venue that doesn't have a huge brand behind you that's in the CBD that relies on lunch trade. If perhaps you're an independent luck. and yeah, you don't have the, yeah. Or you're you know, a single operator that works five nights or five days or more in your venue um, because you are a small operator and mm. you don't have the resource or the time to spend on marketing and community building and everything else you need to keep your venue open or, during these tough times, that's the difference. Or dare I say it, be able to find staff. Yeah, and we're hearing constant stories of people not being able to open their venue the full at full capacity because they just don't have the staff, especially when you go to regional areas that um, that certainly rely on backpackers and visa workers potentially a little bit more than some of us in the city. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's big employment drives out there at the moment for a few big restaurant groups that are opening multiple venues at a time. There's hotels, wow. five star hotels that are opening left, right, and centre in Melbourne, which have all been uh, you know a little bit delayed because of COVID, but someone has to fill those positions and the the people with deeper pockets are filling those positions a lot quicker because they're offering sign-up bonuses they're offering incentives for their current employees to bring their you know their friends in um to, to get so signed up are we actually seeing wages go up in a small way in these, uh, in these maybe in these we these are little sli- niches. slightly artificially yeah, uh, yeah because it's only going to certain venues that have that goes the capacity back to, to do that. It goes back to that supply and demand curve, though, doesn't it? Exactly. If, if you can't yeah. find something, you need to increase the offer so that you get people coming in. 100%. And with the uh, reduction in Job Seeker, yes. we saw a bump in the amount of CVs that were coming through immediately after Ooh. and also the end of JobKeeper where people obviously unfortunately lost lost work. Yes. Now with, um, with still the lack of... Uh, you know, obviously our borders not being open completely um, mm. and won't be for a long time, we're, we're not going to get that influx of, of backpackers well, or, we have or no visit certainty. workers. There There's is, no certainty There is no it. certainty at all now, and mm. especially now that we've had um, 
well, the AstraZeneca. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, an unfortunate thing. I'm not going to call it a debacle. I'll leave that to no. others to call it that. It's yeah, been very, exactly. very unfortunate that we've pulled our, all our eggs into one basket. Mm. Um, and Melbourne... Pre-lockdown, we're thinking sort of uh, February 20, mm. where are we, 2020, mm-hmm. um, is such a different place than it is now. Yeah. And we, and a lot of that was dependent on inbounds. And there were plane loads of them. Absolutely. Sorry, I wanted to get profane, but shed I realised. Shed, yeah, shed loads. Shed loads yeah. of people coming <laughs> off those big silver boots going, I love Melbourne, let's find yeah. out where I can go to eat. Oh, God, I just did an accent. I'm going to get in trouble for that. My apologies if I did. Um, (laughs) It was supposed to be an American. See, I'm not doing them very well. Um, But we don't know when we're going to get those inbounds, and that's going to affect um, a a lot of the the hotels, high-end restaurants. You tell me, who's that going to affect? Uh, I I definitely think uh, kind of everyone at the end of Mm. the day. I've spoken to operators that sort of think they're not affected by those, but it's all about... Uh, density of those tourists as well. So, say when the Oz Open is on at, at full capacity with tourists coming through <laughs> yeah. and hopefully operating Crazy correctly, time. it's wild in it the city. It is wild, yes. But then uh, you get overflow into the suburbs as well. Whether you're getting that actual tourist uh-huh. or not uh-huh. doesn't matter because you have the local that says, well, I'm not going to the city because it's crazy. I'm going to stay in the neighbourhood, so I'm yeah. going to go to my local restaurant. And that's where they're affected. Because there's so no way I could get into Pastuzzo or somewhere exactly. like that because the, the open's busy. on. Yeah. So there's there's that sort of positioning where you have that knock-on effect from mm. those events not happening. And now the city being... Yeah, slowly coming back, things like cocktail festival, food and wine festival, a few iterations of throughout the years, definitely going to help, but we're just not going to have the international traveller come through. And a lot of the time, they're the ones with fairly deep pockets to to spend on uh, decent dining experiences. I'm pulling my fingers uh, away to give. It's never great to do sight gags on radio, I know, but uh, for my I'm trying to say, it was, I'm I'm sort of doing the elastic thing and it doesn't look like it's going to snap back. No, and no. if if anything, um, our recovery, which I'm sort of uh, uh, comparing to an elastic band, is going to take a while to to get back, isn't it? Yeah, and there'll be the, there'll be peaks and troughs all the way through. Mm. You know, we've got end of job keeper, which, which has happened. Um, a lot of people think the cliff is now, but mm. for me, I think the cliff is post winter. Winter's always difficult as it is. Take out all, any potential tourism out of that, and then that's when we'll see the big drop in terms of venues closing. Um, we've because seen a few because people will have had to endure reduced cash flow over winter and this is when the cranes are going to come home to roost. Exactly. Excuse my clichés. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when we'll see more for lease signs on shops for sure, mm. which is a, a scary prospect because really it's you know three, four, five months from now. Um, we're getting, heading into spring this year is when we'll see the, the real effect of, of JobKeeper ending. The uh, fallout. And the lack of tourism and everything else happening and mm. also lack of staff to fill those venues. Mm-hmm. And in the – so that this isn't all doom and gloom, I remember yeah. speaking to – when this thing first happened, we came on air and you um, talked to me about something that you thought would be a great idea to do, which is the thing called Tip Jar. Mm. Yeah, so Tip Jar, the, the fund that we started – uh, through Worksmith uh, with the support of Street Smart, who managed the fund for us, mm. uh, where we supported a number of different initiatives uh, in 
born out of the hospitality industry to help people through COVID. Uh, and to date, we've raised $75,000 um, through lots of different initiatives, one being a couple, a couple of products that we've, yep. we've run, including the Tip Jar Negroni, uh, which actually had Maiden and I, uh, which we'll talk about next, in there. Um, and it really helped. We had the, the brands that supported through that, uh, Melbourne Gin Company, Maiden and I, Marionette, um, and a few others uh, gave us really cheap product. Yes. Um, you know, very, very, basically meant that they made a loss on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we could make you know, more cream on there to, to then uh, go into the fund. And that fund's going to continue with Street Smart. Uh, to- who does that, what is that money? Who get, are the lucky recipients mm. of those disbursements? I uh, went to a few uh, different areas. One was uh, to COVID EAD, uh, which is wrapped up now, but they provided thousands, thousands of meals a, a week mm. uh, for disadvantaged people that lost work through through COVID. Yes. Um, went, some went directly to Street Smart that went to feeding uh, a number of different uh, drop-in centres. Yep. Um, and then the other was with Scarf, who we work really closely, closely with at people. Worksmith. Yeah, really great people. Yeah. And we're really... Uh, looking forward to continue to support those people throughout mm. because inevitably, well, number one, we're not through this. No. Uh, number two, there'll, there'll always be the next thing, mm-hmm. unfortunately, yes. in the world we live in. we uh, I think a lot of us may have um, forgotten about the fires that happened on, only months, months before COVID. We're going to get blazing hot summers again. Yeah, exactly. Um, and anyway, there'll be more things to worry about in our lives. In the meantime, um, tip jar. Great. You can find out about that. Uh, Melbourne Cocktail Festival, well, you've got the Google machine. You can look that that up and be a part of the many people who are uh, coming aboard on that. Also to mention that if you are part of this industry, if you're an independent that uh, uh, wants to make their mark, collaborate, network, you could do a lot worse than than look up your fine place, of course, called Worksmith in uh, 450 Smith Street. And where's the place in, in the city? On the corner of Elizabeth and Latrobe, I, uh, just behind Melbourne Central. I need to come and have a look at that. Please. Yeah. Um, Michael, thank you for coming in. You're one thank of our you. first real live guests, and it's really, really great to talk to a human being across in a studio. Isn't it, Ken? Isn't this lovely? It's bloody bonds. <clears throat> yeah. Isn't this it's lovely? Good. Sorry, oh, my voice is going. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Light it is to be at the Queen Victoria Market on a Sunday morning, but it's a bit real, isn't it, John? It is, definitely. <laughs> Normally we're standing here at the back of Tomato City, and as you turn on the mic, normally the clouds open up, the sun comes out, yeah. and I say, Cam, you've done it again. And, and we lean sort of against the truck because that's sort of where the closest area to the sun is, but... Not today. Oh, not today. Not today. Um, we're going to have something in a moment to warm the cockles of our heart. Yeah, because but... we do have... Before, no, I'm going to take this ball and run with it because you've given me an in. There is some unfinished business to do here. Um, we heard... The tragic news that happened that your the patriarch of the family had, had passed on. How many weeks ago is it now? Uh, five weeks now. Five weeks? Yes, it goes so quick. Wow. Well, um, we did speak to you about that and we wanted to pass on our commiserations to you and our acknowledgement of um, a wonderful man at the market. And um, Joe, he's going to be missed. 
Definitely, uh, by a lot of people. I still have a lot of people coming past and say, you know, we miss your dad being here. Um, and sometimes see the two of us arguing about the toss of things. <laughs> uh, no, I don't believe it. Yes. Um, yeah, and yes, so it's uh, the end of um, uh, his um, generation. Oh, no, sorry, we got one more. My aunt's 95. Mm. My mum's only 86 and 87 soon. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a hard life, but a good life like a lot of people. Uh, he was always happy, always happy to help. Mm. Um, and, even and, and also a man of some, um, even though he could be a prickly kind of person at times, um, but a man of great generosity, it has to be said as well. Always, always happy to um, even just give a kind word to someone. So, yeah. and, and that's a lot for a lot of people. So, you know, yeah, we celebrated his life and um, everyone's happy. Yeah, and again, we, um, I remember recalling the story about Cam Russell. He used to uh, have his stall over there and he used to ride from East St Kilda to the to the Footscray Market on a, on a sort of cargo bike Yeah, and then have to deal with the Dudley Street Hill until your dad one day said, listen, just put your few boxes in the truck and shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had, um, um, what do I say, um, a very small start, mm. and uh, he worked on it like Dad did. Dad started the market when he was 19, so Cam jumped on top and uh, did a really good job of it as well and uh, built up the business and kept a lot of people happy as well. And that's what it's all about. He did. Well, anyway, here's to, um, here's to your dad. you want to raise the toast? Yes, thank you. Um, two. Good life to you too. And uh, a celebration of Dad's life again. There we go. We've Thank got you. a little bit of uh, special holy water. And we're going to have a little sip All the now. best, everybody. Oh, he's gone all, all okay. That's uh, Italian style, mate. Mm. All or nothing. Okay, I've done it all. Good. That's good. It is. It's very smooth. It's got a little bit mm. of flavouring in it. Mm. And, of course, you don't know who made it. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Never do. I accept all gifts. Ask no questions. That's it. That's it. Um, to your dad. All right. So here we are. Market report. It's cold. Oh, look at this. The sun is coming out. Hey! Miracles do happen. Here we go. So we're, <laughs> we're just stepping into the light. I was saying before. Well, it's I, a moment. We just it is. It is. I, I revel in uh, the cold. I like the colder weather rather than 45 degrees. Me too. But um, this morning I was thinking, oh, where's my jumper? So I made sure I have my jumper. But I'm even wearing the vest this morning, which is unusual for me. But oh, we're getting used to it. We're not used to it. So, yeah, I've been saying I've been seeing a lot of people running around. There's one over there with a down on. So yep. people are starting to look like beetles again. Yes. But I think we had a beautiful, mild summer and um, we enjoyed every minute of it and we made the most of um, what we could do. So, you know, even with COVID, a lot of people are still locked up um, and dealing with it. So now hopefully we can all move forward. Unfortunately, Europe's still in code red in a lot of places. So, you know, people just don't realise how lucky we are that we're spread out a little bit more. Mm. We've got more opportunities. We've got beautiful food. We've got easy access to beautiful food. And that's what it's like today in the market. You can walk around a the market. There's an abundance of everything. And the, um, the wonderful thing is that we've sort of... Our feet are spread between the seasons in a way because we're still straddling um, late summer and the autumn stuff. Definitely, and I'm a little bit worried for what will happen to um, our winter projects because, as you know, um, 
um, the floods. Queensland, yeah. Sydney, even Canberra have been hammered with uh, a lot, a lot of rain. So that affects their plantings. So if they, they can't plant this week to pick a crop, say, in two to three months' time, yeah. then there's going to be nothing there. Ooh. So hopefully when the rain stops, the grounds will dry up quickly and they can plant and we won't have too much of a hiccup. Um, and, a, and a shortage. Yeah, and, and as I said, we're, this is always a lucky country, so we'll find something. We'll never be without food, mm. but we may have a little bit of a price spike. I might be wrong, I hope. But we'll deal with it. Let's uh, let's hope so. But at the moment, I'm I'm looking around and all the signs of autumn are here. I'm seeing mandarins. I'm seeing fajoas. I'm seeing chestnuts. I'm seeing custard apples. Um, Long guns. Yeah. Um, still um, uh, late crops of grapes. Um, oh yeah, I, I should have prefaced that the crappy first season, first part of the imperial mandarins. Yeah, well, that goes uh, par for the course, you know. Get, get a couple, you know, that's sort of the usual oh, of thing. Of course, and uh, a lot of them are a little bit sour, but mm. it's good to wake up the taste buds as well. And then later when you get a sweet one, you say, oh, my God, hey. this is heaven. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. Um, so, uh, also, yeah, Robbie next door has um, got some magnificent-looking quinces. Beautiful-looking quinces. Now's the time to get in and make... Uh, quince jelly, quince jelly. paste. Because you, you want the early ones that are full of pectin to True. to set that jelly, don't you? Yes, because later on when they're very ripe, you have to put either a little bit of pectin in yourself or you have to put lemon in it. Mm. Um, but it's also beautiful. People have forgotten what it's like to chop them up and stew them and uh, then have them with ice cream on a cold night. I, I remember when we lived in South Melbourne, we actually used to throw the quinces into our foil into the fire. And um, you, you dig out the core, fill it with sugar, yeah. and then wrap it and put it in the fire. And if you haven't got a fire, well, you do it in the oven. But in the fire, it imparts a beautiful smoky smell. Yeah. And then you pull it out of the fire, open it up, mm. cut it in half and smother it with ice cream, and, and away you go. How long does it take to cook in the fire? Um, well, it, it depends. If you're sitting there having a drink and you forget about an hour. That could and, be all right. <laughs> and if you're a little bit hungry, uh, maybe half an hour. Yeah. Um, so there are no rules. you just got to be careful you don't burn the, the daylights out of it. But the beauty is that if you do leave it in too long, the crust of it goes hard and the inside's still beautiful. And then when you open up that aroma, it's like nothing else. It really is. I bet. Um, I don't know why, but I thought about maybe pouring some port over the top of it. Oh, it's amazing what you can put on top. Yeah. Takes a lot of flavours. And also, um, if you have never done it, quince jelly is one of the most divine-looking things. That colour is just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, that that beautiful, uh, what can I say, burgundy, burgundy, rosé colour. Um, A a lot of people uh, say it's hard work, but... I, I do the cheat way. I no, just, it's just time. Yeah, but I, I just chop them up, throw them in the, the, the pan with the water and sugar and yeah. a little bit of lemon and boil it up, and then I take off the juice and I mush up the rest yes. and then filter that uh, yeah. through a sieve um, and put it all back together. Now, people say to me, it comes cloudy. I find that I had success quite a few times doing it the cheat way, mm. and um, it comes up nice and clear. But it doesn't have to be clear. It's the flavour that counts. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and also, the, uh, one of the things when you do make jelly, don't move it around too much. That's, the, that's where the, <coughs> the devil is. Um, 
what else is happening? Tomatoes. Yeah, we haven't talked to... We're at Tomato City. We haven't talked about the Martys. Yeah, well, we're lucky we've got an abundance of Doncaster tomatoes. Mm. Um, We've got the little... um, One's bigger than a quail egg, what we call cocktail tomatoes. They're nice and crunchy, uh, good for the kids as well for a snack. And then we've got big ugly ones and we've got big pretty ones. Hmm. Um, But this week we've had a problem getting a lot of the heirlooms because they're in between crops. Um, I'd say with the weather they didn't come on as quick as they would have liked. So we had very few cherry truss tomatoes. Mm. Uh, They're nice and crunchy, strong flavour. And we had a, a mini Roma on the truss as well. Um, not overly, um, they're sweet, but they're not a bang. They haven't got the flavour and the punch. So they need a little bit of olive oil and salt and pepper and, um, good basil to bring out that flavour. Uh, Some people put balsamic on them, but I don't. Um, Oregano? Yeah, a little bit of oregano, of course, and cucumber and onion. Um, we had black Russians, we've got Rouge de Marmont, the old Adelaide style tomato with a soft skin. A lot of flavour, a lot of juice. Mm. Um, so now we're hoping for the new crops to come on and we'll have an abundance of all the heirlooms. We'll have pink ones, yellow ones, black ones. Yeah. Um, even some stripy ones we had a month ago, they'll come back on as well. Like a green zebra? Yeah, yeah. Not my favourite, but we had one in the garden. I found it had a hard skin, but it had flavour. A lot of the times I've had the um, zebras or tigerellas or whatever, yes. not very tasty, but they look good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and in a, about eight weeks, we'll have Murray Bridge coming back online again, so we'll have a good blend of um, uh, tomatoes, and we can pick and choose anything we like. So from sweet to crunchy to sour to, oh, what do you want? What are you eating it for? Exactly, what do you say? Exactly. And speaking about what are you eating it for, let's do the pick of the market. Pick of the market this week? Uh, we've got beautiful hand-harvested beans. They're nice and green and dark. Um, they're a little bit squeaky for me under the tooth, but I cook them a little bit longer. We cook them a little bit longer, and they're okay. A lot of people just throw them in the water, bring them out, and they stay crunchy, and that really makes a side dish. Um, beautiful cabbages. We've had coleslaw. We've had steamed cabbage. Uh, people are making cabbage rolls again. So get in there and try that. That's a forgotten thing, isn't it? It is, and it's yeah. something that you should pick up, and it's, uh, it's a cheap way to eat. It takes a little while to do. Definitely. And we've got a beautiful assortment of capsicums. We've got red bullhorn, green bullhorn. We've got these little miniature capsicums the size of an egg. They're a bright orange. Um, Franca actually stuffed them and put them in the oven. I know what to die for. What's she stuff them with? Um, well, we only the, use the breadcrumbs, so the, the, the a- bre- aeolian. Currants, breadcrumbs, currants, walnuts, anchovy. Anchovies, parsley, garlic, salt, pepper. Sometimes mint. Uh, no, I'm not into the mix. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. That's, that's for further south, thanks, mate. Yeah, and yeah. the beautiful baby eggplants, black yes. ones, and big black eggplant that have been growing outside still. Mm. They're um, a little bit soft on the touch, but they're better because they're not bitter. There's no seed inside. Mm. You slice them, they're like milk in the middle. And there's so many things you can do with them. Wow. Um, collies have been beautiful as well. They're nice, tight, heavy, white cauliflowers. Um, we keep it simple, just give them a quick boil or steam, whatever, and a little bit of olive oil. Um, or, of course, you can make it a, a centrepiece and, and roast the thing. Yeah, actually, I don't mind. You no, slice it into um, a, a centimetre thick and just drizzle it with olive oil in mm. the oven mm. and it goes a beautiful brown colour. 
you know, and you don't even think it's cauliflower when you're eating it because no. it looks different. No, and the uh, aroma comes out and it's beautiful to eat. Mm. Everything else is very good price and, and in abundance as well, so get out there and have a look what you want to eat tonight. Mm. Design your menus on the run. That's the best thing to do. Sounds good to me. It and does. what's for dinner tonight? Uh, tonight, quick pasta. Mm. Tomorrow night, we'll get exotic. Okay. Now, then we feast. All right, and again, here's to Joe. Thank you. Thank you. All the best, everybody. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Um, Sean, lovely to see you, buddy. Always a pleasure. Uh, I feel like I'm becoming a bit of a regular here now. This is uh, the the third time. I, do I get a car, car parking spot, or how, how does that work? No, you get um, the Triple uh, R heliport on the roof. Oh, you lovely. have landing rights now. Wonderful. So you can just come in, come through the um, the doorway, uh, and also every now and then we have a good barbecues <coughs> up there. Delightful. When we get rid of the helicopter, of course. <laughs> now the reason that we've had you on the show for a while now is because you're incredible business um, that you have started off with your partner has matured and taken off and has become a really great established part of the drinking scene, the bar scene and uh, and just the, the well, also I suppose the, the state of botanicals in this, this place. Mm. Um, this, this place. So I, I guess I'd have to say the first thing is congratulations for your business and your work and your innovations and all that you've done. How, how many years has it been now? Well, yeah, Jill and I just, uh, we, we figured this out uh, this year during Vintage. Um, we sat down, had some lunch and said, oh, here, cheers to, to this year's Vintage. Well, this is the, the <laughs> ninth one, but 10 years we've uh, been playing around. So this, uh, I know it's, it's quite Ten an achievement. 10 years. 10 years. Who would have thought, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, we did our first vintage in 2012, but, um, yeah, we started uh, playing around and uh, experimenting and doing everything else in, in 2011. So Incredible partnership that you've been able to, to yeah. get up because it, it is. It's sort of like the North and the South Hemispheres well, it is, yeah. coming together, isn't it? Can, mm. Do you want to maybe just talk to that for just very, very briefly? Yeah, I mean, Gilles, uh, he's uh, from France. He was a Burgundian winemaker for many, many years and uh, travelled over here. Mm. And I guess we complement each other quite well he's um yeah he's very much the um and we've always said the brand we think's been so successful is because well he's the winemaker he knows how to make it and mm. then i'm the bartender and i know how to use it so yeah he's he's the bass man that's right he yeah. makes the bass Indeed. and then and then you add all the treble in the mid-range and well yeah and all, all, all the all the magical botanicals that's right <laughs> that's certainly how it started off yeah and uh, mm. i guess we're we've overlapped a little bit where Jill can probably do he can probably uh, make better cocktails than I can make wine, but um, really? is he listening now? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, good, yeah, yeah, that'll get back. Oh, you can't encourage the Frenchman too much. I know. <laughs> they, they do take the ball and run with That's it, don't a... they? Yes. <laughs> now he'll be too busy. He's still in the thick of vintage at the moment. So. Um... But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, it's a, and just as a very quick aside, and this has got nothing mm. to do with this hemisphere, mm. but, boy... The French vineyards have been hit by frosts. And oh, they it's, have. It's going to decimate. The romantic candles in the vineyards, I hear. Um. Uh, and, and, and speaking of the helicopters, yeah, uh, the very, very rich, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, down, down at Petrus or mm. wherever, 
Um, actually, I don't know if it's affected Bordeaux, but if you have the money, you can get the helicopters to move the air around. But frosts are going to devastate uh, not only wine, you can get but a lot of nuts. Helicopters to move the air around. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, I'm sure they do that down at Chateau Rothschild. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, crazy. Deep pockets, isn't it? You know, down here at a chem. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but back to Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a great collaboration. Ten mm. years. <coughs> Vermouth. Is it worth just doing a quick thing at 12.50 on a Sunday? What is vermouth? Oh, oh, I've not been asked this one for at least a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. I think good, th- good thing you wrote well, this book about it. I know, right? Yeah. Um, no, but more and more lately people understand vermouth, and we were discussing mm. it a couple of days ago, Cam, where uh, people, people it's, it's, in the, it's on their radar now, and I don't think that's in any short... Um, thanks to the gin market, because vermouth's really the Negroni, gin of the wine world. Negroni's helped. That's that def- definitely did. Yes. Um, and uh, vermouth is just it's, it's it's a wine. It's a it starts its life as wine, and then uh, we've got lots of botanicals on top of that. And one of them has to be, well, they say wormwood, but legally it just has to be a variety of Artemisia. So you could have tarragon, for example. Yes, because um, that's a derivation of the word vermouth is actually. Hmm. It's a German. It's a, yeah, worm, worm us, Oh, I God, believe. I'm doing yeah. an accent again. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, and a, a little bit of sugar, and it comes in uh, many different varieties. But, you know, vermouth has been... But, uh, but also a little bit of spirit in there as well. Well, that's right. Yeah, it. sorry if I didn't mention that. Yeah, it's uh, definitely... You're just so seeing that, if I'm paying attention. Yeah, the components. So it's uh, it's the uh, the wine, and it has to be at least 75%. Um, yeah. And well, according to the EU, because we don't have uh, proper regulations for in Australia yet, we're a bit behind the times when it comes to vermouth regulations. I don't believe. Who would have thought, right? Um, and uh, the botanicals, uh, one of them has to be wormwood, some mm. kind of sugar. Um, we use grape must, concentrated grape must. Well, Ooh. we actually use the the the, the grape. The sugar in the grapes itself. So we arrest the wine during fermentation so it doesn't actually ferment all the sugars out. So all that sugar that's already in there is um, adds, well, adds the sweetness. So that's what gives it all the flavour um, and the I texture. You say, I want that. Yeah, that's right. Well, why would you ferment it out and then add it back in? It just seems counterproductive. But then when you actually do a vintage, you understand why because it can be very, very difficult to hit that nail on the head Yes. Um, of when that sugar's at the right point with testing and fortifying and all this other jargon. Yeah, because it, and, and that becomes the thing because of the, one of the things about your products is that you have to have consistency over years, don't that's you? That's right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you, you make you, a style and you've got to hit it every, every and you, year. And, and you're and not that. resorting to a Solero system for getting your wines. No, we're not, no. It's just a, a little bit of tweaking, and again, luckily we've got a, a, the master palate of Gilles Lapalou um, tasting the wines and uh, and uh, making sure it's as consistent as possible. Um, because yeah. we do get vintage variation, but we don't just get vintage variation in the wine; we get it in the botanicals. Yeah, of course. And there was something that blew our mind about five years ago when we had quite a strong anise flavour coming through, and we thought uh, the, we worked our way backwards, and then oh, ch- check the notes. Did you add that's five r- milligrams or whatever it was? It'd be a lot more than five milligrams. Yeah. But- Yes, but, but it, was, it was the same amount that we would usually add, but because it had been a wet year and the leaves that we got for this particular plant had been quite waterlogged, then it was quite intense in this flavour, and it was like, okay, then it's it's it, it sounds... Back to the drawing board. Well, that's right, yeah. What did you do? No, no, we, we just tweaked the actual tinctures that we're adding. It's, uh, oh, it's so easy this, enough this, to this, fix. this was picked up as the tincture, not in the product. Correct, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Yeah, everything's a slow, that, slow steps. That, that sure. would have been a 10 out of 10 on the whoop scale, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're going to have to rebrand this as Anise. Mm. And um, the, um, the thing is uh, that with this Australian vermouth company, mm-hmm. with this, and also with Marionette too, um, is that you've been able to use the palate of our country. Mm-hmm. And what I mean that is the botanical palate of mm-hmm. the flora that's mm-hmm. available. That's right, yeah. And that has been a, a, just a sensational thing to see evolve that, you know, we talk about Australia tan- standing on its own two feet and doing things, but this mm. is a great example of that. I think so, and I think using um, botanicals that are native to the country really... It's how you can give a terroir to certain products, you know, to you can use the T words. That's right. Yes. Yeah, the T words. That's right. Yes, um, to give a sense of place for for, for, for what you're using. And but what are the ones that have come to your attention? These great Australian botanicals. We that have used everything under the sun, and not all of them are great. Uh, I can tell you that right now. Just mm. between you and me, Cam, yeah. I'm not a fan of bush tomato. Really? What about Just, what about strawberry gum? Oh well, everyone the strawberry gum. We love strawberry gum. Obviously, our sweet vermouth is um, is heavily influenced by strawberry gum and uh, a lot of other. Let's places. go back to bush tomato though. What's uh, what, no bush tomato? No, well, that's that's Don't personal. Like it? That's personal yeah, choice, yeah, um, definitely. And Jill and I, when we were tasted all the different botanicals we could under the sun. Bush tomato was definitely on our no-no list. Just could That's right. Back. Push that one to the side. Um, so, uh, what was it about it that made it so there acrid? Was a, oh, I can't remember. We had, that was our nah. tasting. I, all I remember was that one was on the no-no list. Right. So, um, what now. about the yes-yes list? <clears throat> oh, straw, well, the, uh, quite a lot of them actually. They bring so much intensity. That's uh, mm. a lot of the, the botanicals. So it means, well, one, you have to be careful about the blending aspect of it, but. Um, you only need to use a little bit to go a long way, which um, is super handy. Yes. Um, because, well, supply of uh, native uh, Australian botanicals is another problem in the um, in the country, which I'm sure any, uh, any gin distiller or a vermouth maker will tell you. And also not only are we seeing uh, weather variations, mm. but climactic variations, which are going to affect supply mm. um, with... You know, all the rain. Mm-hmm. John was talking about that in the market report just before. Mm. If you've just tuned in, you are listening to eat it. Uh, but the fact that um, flooding could affect. Mm, I don't doubt it. And, yeah, we'll, we'll ha- have to see. And mm. uh, but, but this is the great thing about this company that you have, is that it is such um, a... Not only is it amazing that you have a business that you're able to structure and keep going, but just the artisanal aspect of it the blending kind mm. of blows my mind to be honest with you mm. well the, you should the, come up and help us do a blend one day cam i think you'd love it mate i'd be delighted i really would actually <laughs> be quite honored and delighted to see it because mm. to see stuff how it goes in but um again um mate and i uh vermouth are people drinking more vermouth and better how well, have yeah. you found your market well I, I guess it's evolved in the 10 years that we've been making vermouth um certainly when we first started a lot there were a lot less people drinking it neat by itself and uh mm. i think there are a lot more people now nice to jill's uh, uh glee um that uh, people are doing <laughs> this um we've uh uh, certainly seen, I guess, our product range expand. But um, a huge thing in the market at the moment is these um, spritz cans that we've, uh, or seltzers oh, that you've seen on the market. Seltzer. You didn't use seltzer, and I just wanted to congratulate you on that. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, You've got a thing against seltzer, don't yeah, you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm triggered by it. Yeah, I, right. I'm, I'm really like, yeah, 
I'm just getting too old, and it just seems like something that's come up. From, release the beast. Well, it's just something that's come up from Barry and marketing. I don't yeah. know. That's just that's that's just my thing. Yeah. Seltzer's been around, and but seltzer and vermouth is such a valid thing, and I, I get the seltzer thing. You reduce the alcohol and. But spritzers have been doing that for ages. Well, where that's right. Yeah, we're basically what we've done is we've just we've been making these cocktails for for a long time. We just put it into a can. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass it around. I've been hanging to do this since mm. we um since we got in here. I want to I want to like on the can. Oh, it always, sells, yeah. I wanted to crack it right next to one, two, two, three. Hey. There we go. Hopefully we've got a good record there. I think. Oh, that smells good. Speaking of strawberry gum, that's right. That'll be straight up. Hello. <laughs> Um, so what we've got in, in front of me is the so Maiden uh, Classic Spritz. Yeah, this has got our classic vermouth in there and we've made a tonic water from scratch um, without any sugar or sweeteners or anything. So it's just the chinkona with some extra blood orange and strawberry gum in there. Um, what's, what's chinkona? Chinkona is the bark of the, the chinkona the tree, chinkona which, gives tree which gives the bitterness, which is quinine? tonic water. Quinine, yeah, that's correct. The yeah. Chinkona. Yeah, that's so right. this is the raw product as opposed to the refined quinine sulfate. Mm. Cheers, everyone. Oh, yeah. Gee, there's, 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 there's bitterness. That's right, yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. And, um, it's, and it's 10.5% ABV. Where so can it's get a em? real party starter. Yeah, we can, this isn't some weak old <sighs> seltzer water. No way. Um, now, collaboration happening with Farmer's Daughter. Correct, yeah. So next week we're part of Melbourne Cocktail Festival. They've uh, worked with us to make some cocktails. Nell Stubbins uh, created some delightful drinks. She's cool. She is very cool. Yeah, yeah. I've known her for years when she was back at Speakeasy Group. But, um, oh. Yeah, we've uh, worked together. And the hero drink that we're talking about is, um, you were talking about tomatoes before, is we've made a tomato water and it's a Bush Tucker oh, Mary. Charlie so Trotter would be so proud of you. Yeah, me. that's right. So yeah. it's, um, uh, the, the vermouth we make specifically for farmers and daughters mm. and then that with some tomato water and some other native botanicals. And that'll be available from Wednesday to Sunday. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. And it's all part of Melbourne Cocktail Week. That's right. You can look that up and do that. Uh, Made nice, uh, available at most great liquor outlets now, and, isn't well, it? Not? Yeah, I, I, one would hope. Yeah. Sean, great to see you again. I'm going to hold you up to that and come and see you and do that. <laughs> Indeed. Great to see you. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.